Welcome to the Billy D's Podcast. As always, I am absolutely thrilled that you are here. If you have never heard our podcast before, we are primarily an interview and a commentary podcast. You can find the Billy D's Podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, on down the line, many carriers carry us and we are grateful for each and every one this is going to be a commentary podcast and what we are going to be talking about today is age and the presidency and this is coming on uh recently with joe biden there was the bicycle falling incident there was a number of uh, spoken I'll, I'll say gaffes or maybe inappropriate comments we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit and uh, here, I'm going to say in the last few weeks, I've noticed that a lot of left-leaning journalists have now begun to question the competency of Joe Biden. Now, once again, if you are new to the program, I am not an ideologically driven figure. I don't necessarily describe myself as a conservative and I don't describe myself as a liberal. So if you're expecting this, uh, you know, this real critical partisan rant about President Biden, that's not going to happen here. This this is a legitimate topic. And I do have respect for the presidency, regardless who is in it. And I'm going to treat this subject as delicately as I can. I'm going to try to give you some perspective from my experience because I'm not exactly 21 years old. I've I've been around during, uh, you know, presidencies that were younger and some were older. I'm, I'm going to try and give some perspective to that. And we're just going to talk about how we got here. How, how did we end up with the situation that we're in right now? In terms of politics, not only with our government, but with a society at large. Let's start with what we might call bad optics. This particular podcast, we are in the studio June 20th, 2022. And several days ago, President Biden was on a bike ride. And I can only presume somebody decided, hey, this would be really good, really good imagery to show the president in a youthful activity, okay? And for the most part, it went pretty well. He rode the bike very well. But when he came up to an area where there were spectators and and some of the press, and as he stopped, he lost his balance and fell right over. Now, a lot of people can lose their balance when they're coming to a stop on a bike. I've done it. I'm sure a lot of people have, but typically most people catch themselves. He also uh, seemed to have gotten caught on the pedal, which here again isn't uncommon. But most people can at least control their fall to the point where they regain their composure in their in their stance. And the image of the president just tipping right over and going straight to the ground, as they say in politics and as they say in marketing and, and a lot of other fields, it just wasn't good optics. To say the least, it just it, it, it wasn't what it was intended to do. 
And then there was this comment here, and I'm going to play this for you. This is where the president used the term referencing someone who passed away using the term drop dead. Now, I don't believe this this was, you know, a, a disrespectful reference to someone dying. Uh, you could make the comment that it, it wasn't very presidential to use those choice of words. But what troubles me uh, about this little soundbite here is the hesitancy in terms of how he speaks. And by the way, my sympathies to your the family of your F, uh, uh, your, your CFO who uh, dropped dead very unexpectedly. My best to their family. It's tough stuff. Here again, I'm not necessarily uh, troubled by the term drop dead. I know that a lot of the conservative voices out there have really jumped on this. But quite frankly, that's I, I don't know how this person passed away. But quite frankly, a lot of times people just drop dead. I, I have had uh, a couple a couple of friends and associations pass away that way. And quite frankly, that's how I want to go. It's not a bad way to go. I, I don't want to find out that I have a horrible illness and suffer and go through all the treatments. And I, I don't want that. One bad day is all I want. But getting back to his, his, his style of speaking there, it's, he sounds like that more and more. And that's what's troubling. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about Ronald Reagan. And uh, I was very young, just kind of transitioning from grade school to middle school. And then, of course, going to high school and, and, and eventually becoming an, becoming an adult during that eight year period that Ronald Reagan got elected and became president. And the knock on him for a long time was that he was too old. He, at that time, I believe he was the oldest president. And a lot of people were concerned about his ability because of his age. And I'm going to play you this sound clip right here. Take a listen. You already are the oldest president in history. And some of your staff say you were tired after your most recent encounter with Mr. Mondale. I recall yet that President Kennedy had to go for days on end with very little sleep during the Cuba Missile Crisis. Is there any doubt in your mind that you would be able to function in such circumstances? Not at all, Mr. Truitt, and I, and I want you to know that also I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. <laughs> For those of you who may not know, that was during the 1984 presidential debates between Ronald Reagan and Walter Mondale. And by the way, when I heard that soundbite, when, when President Reagan said that, I knew the election was over. I knew he was going to win that moment. And this was at a time when President Reagan had already been president for four years and coming into office, he was really on top of his game. He got the nickname, the great communicator. He was very witty. He was very funny. And of course, during his first term, there was the assassination attempt. And that assassination attempt only fueled his popularity. 
And it really fed into this image that he was, uh, you know, very uh, strong and, and, and vibrant. And he won in a, a very well-won election in 1984. I believe he won just about all of the states, maybe except for one or so. So it, it was a, an enormous victory in 1984. And I was always one to follow politics to some degree. I don't didn't follow it every day, so to speak. And oddly enough, most Americans back then didn't. This fascination with everything that's going on every day in politics is is something new. But that's another subject for another time. As his second term wore on, of course, there was the uh, Contra, Iran-Contra scandal and some other things that happened. But through it all, his ability to speak and handle himself was very good. Now, here again, I was somebody who, who liked Reagan for the most part. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't the, by today's standards, he wasn't the conservative that he's made out to be. By today's standards, he would be very much a centrist. Okay, Um, to be a liberal or a conservative today means you have to be out on the extreme. And that wasn't the case back then. He he lived in the real world, much as John Kennedy as a liberal would be a centrist today. They both lived in the real world. As that last year started to come around, 1987 and 1988, around in there, in all honesty, you could tell the sharpness, the... The, the, the razor wit wasn't quite there. And then after he left office, he made a number of appearances, a number of speeches that, uh, you know, I listened to and stuff. And for the most part, he did very well in those instances. But those were, you know, isolated special events. He wasn't in the, uh, you know, in the public arena every single day like you are when you're president of the United States. And of course... Unfortunately, the horrible disease of Alzheimer's um, eventually took him down. And in all honesty, how much of it impacted his performance as president, it's hard to say. I'm I'm going to say as someone who was there, I'm going to say to a minimal level, if at all, maybe that last year. Uh, As the years went on, though, let's say, for example, over the course of the four years that he uh, went on beyond his presidency, obviously things were changing. So the reason that I, that I say this is because Ronald Reagan, someone who was criticized for being too old of a president, left office younger than Joe Biden went in. Now, I want to be very clear here. We have to be very careful when we talk about this because ageism is a real thing. Ageism is, is, is just as bad as any other ism out there. People age at different rates. They have different issues going on. I'm not necessarily a follower of Bernie Sanders, but this is a guy that seems, you know, sharp. This is a guy that seems very capable and I have a lot of friends who are considerably older than I am. I'm middle-aged, I would say, but there's, I have friends who are well into their 60s, well into their 70s. And 
are very vibrant. They still work. They still run businesses. They're right on top of things and physically as well. I have one buddy who's in his early 70s and he runs regularly. And and I got to tell you, there's no way I could keep up with him. All right. I have another uh, associate that is well into his 70s and he can bench press. I don't even know how much. I don't know that much about weightlifting, but I can tell you he can bench press way more than I can. And, you know, these are people that should be, you know, considered fully functional individuals. Age in an oven by itself. We have to be very careful how we frame it and how we apply it in individual cases. All right. But at this point, okay, we're getting into an age now where, you know, with Biden and with Reagan at the end of his presidency, we're getting at the age where when trouble starts to happen, it generally doesn't get any better. All right. That's that's just the sad part of of life. You know, when, when you're in that 80 range and you start to slip. You very seldom get any better. So at, at that point, we really have to be careful in, in, in our concern about possibly, you know, committing some sort of ageism. We don't want to do that. But there's a sad reality in that once you get into that 80 type of age and once you start to slip, it's very hard to get any better. Things just don't improve at that point. So at what point, how do we, how do we monitor this? Certainly someone who's starting to slip can still live a very full life, but they don't have the responsibilities of being the leader of the free world. They don't have the responsibilities of being a pilot of a 747. Now, people's lives are not at risk. They're not brain surgeons anymore once they start to slip at that age. So... It just being honest and truthful here, how do we gauge this fairly in a way that's fair? Well, let's talk about how we got here to begin with. This, in my opinion, is a product of what's happening, what happens when you cater to the anti-vote. The anti-vote, if you're not familiar, is a term that we use to describe when you vote against somebody. Okay, so let's say, for example, in 2016, I know the Trump supporters will tell me that I'm wrong. But largely what gave President Trump the victory in 2016 was the anti-Hillary vote. Okay, there were a lot of people who just did not want Hillary Clinton to be president of the United States. And quite frankly, the Democrats during those four years when Trump was in office and here again, I'm I'm not a a partisan person. I, uh, I, I can I can pick out what both parties have done wrong pretty fairly, I believe. And what the Democrats did wrong for four years. All they did was Trump is bad, Trump is bad, Trump is bad, 
Trump is orange. Trump is orange. Trump needs to stay off Twitter. Trump, you know, just constantly, which is fine. But what they didn't do during those four years is cultivate a candidate. Okay. There was no Barack Obama. There was no Bill Clinton. And those were the last rock stars that the Democratic Party has had. All right. And they had all that time to cultivate a, a candidate and they, and they got obsessed with Trump. They got obsessed with the impeachments. And what did they do for those four years? Okay, now here we are. We have a president that by and large did not really win the election in terms of he captivated people's attention and he won their votes. He won based on anybody other than Trump. That's 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 what handed Joe Biden the election. You, you can talk around it all you want. People did not vote for Joe Biden. They voted against Donald Trump. He won on the anti-vote. All right. So now you have this guy that won on the anti-vote, was not a cultivated candidate, was not a, 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 a candidate that won on any particular type of platform. He, he's just in there. And now what? If you're the Democrats, quite frankly, you know that Joe Biden is not the same guy in, that he was in 2012. When he was vice president in 2012 and he was in the vice presidential debates, he did very well. I mean, he, he was really sharp. He's not that guy now. And there has to be discussions. Yes, he's not the same guy, but how bad is it? How bad is it? Can we run him again for a second term? Can he even get through the term that he's in? And what do we have? What do we have? If, if you're a Democrat, what do you have to as an alternative what can you bring forth vice president harris doesn't have the numbers either her, her rankings are very low so where's your next rock star and, and by the way a rock star can come out of nowhere bill clinton came out of nowhere obama was on the radar coming into 2008 but he was considered a long shot but they both pretty much came on very strong in the final lap so it is there's plenty of time here for a rock star to emerge on in the Democratic Party. But who's it going to be? And how are you going to handle the optics of getting a sitting president out of there without admitting that you had a problem, that you had a really big problem? That That's the issue for the Democrats right now. And the Republicans, they know that there's blood in the water. OK, the the. The economy and what's happening with inflation and all these other things probably won't get any better. It's probably going to get worse before it gets any better. The gas prices, the uh, what's going on with the, the international crisis around the world with Ukraine and all these other things. And then you have a president that is perceived as compromised. So the Republicans know that there's blood in the water. And, and here again, if I was advising the Republicans, I would say don't rely on that. Don't make the same mistake. Okay, you got to have a better platform than our guy is better than Biden. And that seems to be what both parties have been doing. 
the last decade or so. Vote for our guy because our guy isn't as bad as theirs. Okay, there has to be a better way to sort through this. And right now, man, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm here again. I'm not a partisan. But Trump did not come off very well lately with these hearings going on. Some of the things that he has said in response to those hearings seem very out of place. I'm not going to get into all that right now. We're talking about Biden and and what's going to happen here. But the Republicans should be getting a viable candidate together. Okay, that shaping of that candidate should be happening now. And right now there's DeSantis and there's some other people. And I'm not buying it. A lot of my liberal friends, well, DeSantis is crazy. That's what they always say. Well, you know what? He's from a state that's doing very well. He's from a state where, uh, you know, all these uh, Democratic politicians, when they were talking about masks, were going down to Florida, hanging out on the beach or wherever without a mask on, drinking pina coladas or whatever it is that they're doing down there. A lot of people are happy down in Florida. Florida's a happy place. You got a popular guy down there and you got to watch out because they could mold and fashion that image. All right. So I'm, I would say that if I'm a Republican right now, rather than relying on a president that seems compromised, that alone may not help you. That alone may not carry you. You've got to get a plan together. You've got to get your party together and you've got to get a, a you know, a platform and a set of talking points that's coherent and you've got to get a viable candidate. All right. And if, and if you're the Democrats right now, you, you've got to you've got to be wondering what is the graceful way out of this? What is the graceful way out of this? Unless something really amazing happens. I don't I don't predict a lot of improvement with the image of Joe Biden. And I and I want to say here again I am not a partisan. I can't say this enough. I am not a partisan and I'm not saying this in any mean-spirited way. I I'm I'm simply stating the concern for the country. What's going to happen when a real crisis happens? Let's suppose there's a missile scare. And a seconds count. Who's going to be making those decisions? This is a fair question. And quite frankly, I, I don't know how Joe Biden got ushered into being the, the front running candidate for the Democrats, eventually the candidate and eventually the winning candidate in the general election. I don't know how that got ushered along, but I'm not sure how fair it was to him. You know, he has a legacy. He's a human being as well. And it would really bother me as as a human being to find out that he, he was put in that slot simply to defeat Trump at all cost because he was the candidate that was known. He was the candidate that was associated with the last popular Democratic president, which was Barack Obama. He was stuck in there just to beat Trump. And at what cost? At what cost to him? At what cost to his legacy? For the time being, the strategy seems to be to deny that there is a problem. Does the president have the stamina physically and mentally, do you think, to continue on even after 2024? 
you're asking me this question. Oh, my gosh. He's the president of the United States. You know, it, he I can't even keep up with it. We just got back from New Mexico. We just got back um, from California. Uh, that is uh, I, I, I that is not a question that we should be even asking. Just look at the work that he does and look what he's how he's delivering uh, for the American public. Look, that what that 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 article that we're talking about is hearsay. It's salacious. That's not what we care about. CNN's Don Lemon right there, of all people, talking to White House Press Secretary Pierre. And this was during uh, some rumors. I believe there was uh, something in the, in the New York Times and, and some other press that certain Democrats were expressing doubts of all things about Biden in 2024. The strategy here clearly is it's one thing. It is one thing to deny something. No, yeah, that's not right. Uh, blah blah blah. It's it's another thing to pretend that the question is ridiculous, which is what just happened there, and and, and what is happening a lot by certain Democrats. To me, this would come off a lot better if someone would simply say, "Yes, we understand." Why the public is concerned, you know, the president is of a certain age, but he is very capable, blah, 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 and go down that road to essentially try to gaslight people that even bring up the question, how competent is the president? To me, that has the that has the flavor that has the texture of hiding something. And when you look at the bigger picture here, how much he is handled, President Biden very seldom does a lot of out front interviews. He is what what interviews do seem to get granted are written ones. So there's a lot to if as as it's just a concerned American, as just a concerned citizen as as a concerned uh, potential voter, there, there's a lot to say, you know, maybe something isn't right here. And like I said, I it really saddens me that this so often, this discussion degrades. It, it becomes mean-spirited, partisan banter. How bad can we make this guy look? Let's laugh at him when he falls. That's horrible. That is absolutely horrible. There's nothing funny about any of this. And I really wish we would put the partisanship aside and work together just a little bit more to do what's right ethically for the, for the politicians involved, for the human beings involved, and for the people and the lives that they impact. All right. I'm Billy Dees. I certainly hope you enjoyed our commentary today. Just a little reminder. You can tweet me if you like. Now you have to be nice. Getting back, <laughs> getting back to be nice, you have to be nice. But you can tweet me on Twitter. Real easy to find at Billy Dees on Twitter. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, we got some really great stuff for you. Some more commentary and some more really cool interviews in the works. So do keep in touch. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting network. Follow me on Twitter and I will talk to you again next week. 
Well, hello everyone. I am Billy Dees from the self-titled Billy Dees Podcast. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and many more of the best podcast networks. Join me for my commentary and interviews. Follow me on Twitter, really easy to find, at Billy Dees. I am Billy Dees. I'd love to have you listen in.